Alright guys, welcome back to the Talking Fit Podcast. My name is Rogan and as always I am joined by my co-hosts. Kane Owen and Greg Foley. Okay, so today is going to be a Q&A session. It's going to be a bit more freeform, a little bit easy flowing. So we've got a few things that we're going to touch on today. The first of which is... My penis. <laughs> I was really expecting that from Greg, but not from you. That caught me so out of left field. All right, let's get our notes and let's be professional. Okay, so first thing we're going to talk about, optimal ingestion time for meals. No, for protein generally, I think was the question, so I should have put it down. But yeah, it is for it is the appropriate ingestion time for protein. Well, if you're having a meal without protein, then you, you kind of you're miss losing. the trick anyway. You're losing. Mm. You are losing you're the losing. hypertrophy. So why do we have this situation where people think they need to eat every two to three hours, six meals a day, the traditional like bro nutrition mm-hmm. split? What does science say? What should we actually be doing? Well, people were told that that was the situation for so long, wasn't it? The the theory there came out of uh, the thermic effect of food. The idea being that when you eat a meal, your metabolism will upregulate itself in order to process that meal. So they thought, oh, well, then the more you can upregulate that metabolism, the more calories you'll burn across the day. Of course, the theory was wrong because it actually upregulates in relation to how much you eat, not when you eat. So I think the, the... best estimate we've got is on average you'll burn about 10% of the calories in processing the food and 10% of 2000 is going to be 200 whether you have that in six meals or whether you have it in three or one you know it's gonna be the same so that's why that whole theory was wrong yeah and I think especially when we're talking about ingestion times for protein um, I think it's very key to mention that oftentimes we have this phenomenon where we will have like a scientific principle which we then build nutritional structures around and is then completely misrepresented when people actually start doing it. So key example, the whole you need to eat every three to four hours thing. Fundamentally, that is due to the fact that protein, muscle protein synthesis mm-hmm. happens in a cycle. So it peaks and then it drops. It peaks and then it drops in response to the protein that you intake, but also um, the situation that your body's in. So whether you're training, whether you're not training. So fundamentally, yes, if you want to be really, really scientific about it and really try and go for that 1% level of optimization, you can spread your meals you know, over every three to four hours across the course of the day. But no matter how you slice it, if mm-hmm. you have 2,000 calories broken up into six meals or whether you have it in two meals, you're still eating 2,000 calories. That would be in regards to energy balance. But like you say, in regards to muscle protein synthesis, uh, when, when you eat protein, what you're trying to do is get your body to synthesize that protein into muscle tissue or to sparing muscle tissue. So you want muscle protein synthesis to outweigh muscle protein breakdown. Mm. Of course, muscle protein synthesis, as you say, is triggered in waves, but it can't actually be triggered again until it returns back to baseline. So if you eat every two hours, you're almost eating too frequently because you're not giving that muscle protein synthesis a chance to come back to baseline before you try and trigger it again. So that's almost a wasted feed-in. Whereas if you wait until the end of that, which is usually around four hours, then you can trigger it again boost muscle protein synthesis, wait for it to come back down. Four hours later, trigger it again, boost muscle protein synthesis, come back down. So four hours is almost, well, it is more effective than eating every two hours. We spoke about it with the study that we read the other day and we were talking about what is optimal protein ingestion or and we then spoke about meal timing and generally it won't matter as long as you hit your protein oh, yeah. for the day. That's so awesome. yeah, in the grand scheme of things, it will not matter. Now, What's more important, you said that as well, three to four times daily generally yeah. will increase 
protein synthesis overall if you eat three to four times a day. Yeah, three to four. But that's like one no, ten times no, generally again somewhere in the middle. Yeah, the middle. So zone. like, I mean, do you is there, do you have to hit this anabolic window of three hours post training? No. <laughs> the window of gains. We can come back to that whey study where they took eighty grams of protein across a day uh, from whey protein, and they said, okay, so is one feeding of eighty grams versus two feedings of forty grams versus uh, four feedings of 20 grams and they found that four feedings of 20 grams was um the best for keeping that muscle synthesis high uh, and then they've done it further where they've um tested more frequent feedings again so like eight servings of 10 grams and they found that that wasn't enough to um trigger muscle synthesis at all so your best bet is to get those four feedings of protein intake a day yeah, but as we've as we've always said, like ultimately everything does come out in the wash, and ultimately yes, you want to be able to space out your meals, you know, relatively frequently. But mm -hmm. ideally, like life is going to get in the way mm -hmm. sometimes, and ultimately, so long as you you know listen to your overall hunger response, not your craving response, but your hunger response, more often than not, if you're getting in you know a decent portion of protein, you know, twenty yeah. to forty grams per meal, you're going to be in a really good situation because right. ultimately you're making sure that your protein is staggered based on not just your requirements, but also your general level of hunger. And if life gets in the way, then it gets in the way. It'll, but it will, generally speaking, it will just kind of come out in the wash. Because like, like Greg said, like hitting your total protein goal is more important than the frequency of the feed-in. Because if, if you can only do two meals a day, it may not be optimal, but if you can't do three, then it's kind of the question answer for you. You've got to do two feed-ins of whatever, of, yeah. of, of half each of your protein intake. Yeah, I mean, like a friend of mine, she's a, she works in the neurology department of a hospital and she finds it so hard to f actually find time to get mm -hmm. in regular meals because like she, you know, she's too busy cutting into people's brains. Like that is a time consuming process and you don't get to just tap out midway through surgery and go, sorry guys, need to go take care of my leucine threshold. Like that's not a thing, <laughs> come on. Science. Also, well, we did, we did get a question, it was about uh, opto or like uh, protein sources for women. There is no such thing. Just gonna say that straight up to the women aren't allowed. I'm protein. not gonna. I'm not gonna call you out, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> but there is no female protein sources. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, the same diet for a man is going to be applicable to a woman in the same way that a, any diet that is applicable to a woman is going to be applicable to a man. It's just yeah. going to change depending on serving sizes and palate preference. Ninety-five percent of the time. 99% of the time male and female training and male and female approach to dietary is going to be the same. Mm -hmm. At general fat loss level, it is pretty much the same. Yeah, and, and, as, and as with all these things, like the more in depth you go into it, generally speaking, the more out of bounds that gets for the average person. You know, you want to keep things as simple as possible because the minute you start complicating things, you muddy the water, which then makes it harder for the, you know, the average everyday person to implement in their everyday life. And, mm -hmm. you know, fundamentally we can, you know, argue the toss about human optimization and all of this jazz, but can you do it in real life consistently? Yes, no. No, so as we brought up in the, in the protein episode, which was episode two, right? Oh, God knows. I had too much to drink. I don't know yeah. what episode number that two, was. Episode three, we talked about protein. And the, what we came down to that was four meals a day of about 150 to 200 grams of meat. And that's pretty much 99% of people covered. Yeah. And it's keeping it simple. You yeah. know, that's, that's a simple, repeatable like template for protein mm -hmm. intake. It's easy. Okay, so on that bombshell, let's move on. So, eating when traveling and how not to fuck it up. And I'm gonna give you one of the best bits of advice. If you are doing long haul traveling or you are staying anywhere that isn't your home, 
go for an Airbnb because then you have access to actual cooking equipment and generally speaking, they will be cheaper than hotels. Oh yeah. Like just having the ability to cook your own food keeps you on track because then you're not limited to whatever crap they're serving in the hotel. There is generally always a decent option though. So like I know it's much harder. So like if I know I've got steak at home, that's all I've got at home. So I got to eat steak. That's fine. If you're getting if you're getting subsidized by your company to go sit in a restaurant, you're probably going to pick the wrong thing. Uh, a bit of advice I tend to give to some of my clients is to find out the menu of the restaurant you're going to beforehand. Yeah. Choose what you're going to eat before you go and stick to it. Yeah. Then you'll know, you'll be able to determine your macros, you'll be able to determine ish your calories from it, and you won't make any mistakes after you have your first drink. So, so think. It's also yeah. a great idea generally to keep, like, if, keep in your car um some portion of whey protein or, or take whey protein with you unless you're going on a plane and then they don't like you taking powders through security especially so the white powders be careful with that but yeah whey protein is also uh, uh, always a very good option to to have with you because it's basically indestructible it doesn't go off yeah and that's the thing like i think especially when people are traveling a lot whether it's for work or whatever it's it's the fact that, yeah, you, you need to go out and you need to experience the place that you're staying in. You need to go and, you know, go to a restaurant, make a couple of bad decisions mm-hmm. and have a couple of drinks and live your goddamn life. But so long as you're still making 80% good choices, if you want to go to a Mexican restaurant and have a fucking beer and a quesadilla, then fill your boots. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it comes down to the fact that a lot of people, the minute they get into that sort of, you know, air quotes, holiday mentality, then it's just like, well, yeah. <laughs> this doesn't count. These calories don't count. Yeah. Make it home. Yeah, exactly. Even though I once sat on a plane, I remember coming back from America, and I had a, and I finally realized I had under boob fat. Oh. That, was my, that was one of my changing moments. And I realized holiday calories do count. Yeah, it's when but you like. It's like the flight back I home. Line, I know I had the red line. Oh red no! Line I was like, yeah, <laughs> man. Uh, man, Fat Rogan knew exactly what that was like. It was bad, and that's but that's the thing, you know, is that like awful moment where like the seat on the flight home is slightly tighter than the seat on the flight out. The seat, yeah, the seat. Yeah, is we're tighter. Just, yeah, we're just sitting in the seat. God so damn. like. That happens. You weren't fat. You don't know, man. I don't know that. You never yeah. had an underboob line. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's like to not have leg room, though. You probably know that better than me, Greg. I do. I don't. I'm the shortest person here. Yeah. Greg's got all the problems. Mm. Yeah. Fat and tall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you grow a great beard, though. I do. Yeah, like, yeah, in yeah, fairness, your beard is majestic. Mm-hmm. If you actually, like, looked after it and trimmed it, oiled it, all the rest no, of it, I you like could it, be quite... Like no. Shaggy. no, 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 I beard admin. <laughs> oiled it. Yeah. <laughs> I know what I said. What happens then? Like, what's the difference then? You just got it's fluffy, beard then. It's, it's yeah. fluffy and healthier, and you don't get weird beard dandruff. Do I get weird beard dandruff? <laughs> Not yet, but winter is here. You're going to self-conscious now. Oh, don't sprinkle that on me. That's disgusting. Okay, so yeah, but equally, I do understand when people ask about eating whilst traveling, they're also talking about like long car journeys. Yeah. You know, first things first. Again, you're in, yeah, but, you're, but that's exactly it. You're in an enclosed space. You actively need to either pack the car with bad shit or pull over to the side of the road and go buy bad shit. So ultimately, make better decisions. Yeah, plan ahead. Yeah, like massively plan ahead. You know, prior preparedness prevents piss poor performance. Like, I mean, I know what you're saying. I know what the, que- the gentleman who asked me the question, I know what he's thinking because it tends to be travel abroad. And I understand that can make things a little bit more difficult. But even now I'll notice when like you pull over in pretty much any like 
uh, car garage or like petrol station, sorry, you can still buy packs yeah. of chicken now. Pretty much yeah. everywhere you can buy, buy a packet of chicken if you're really stuck. Even you ham can, is pretty lean. Yeah, you can buy a packet of ham. And I know you're not going to do it for a week trip. Yeah. Just pull over and buy packs of ham. Mm. I get that. But if you do that two out of three times, it's such a better ratio. Like, I mean, and, and, and in fairness, like you stop in the petrol station and there's so much bad stuff you yeah, can buy. You it's could just do a thousand calories. Yeah. Easy in one, in one stop. Which is why I'd also bring up the fact that you, you don't even have to worry about what you, you can increase your output through neat. Like, just don't spend too much time sitting down doing nothing. Like, if you're in a foreign city, go explore. Get your steps in and that'll, you know, buffer any excess calories that you might eat to local, some extent. Local brothel. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely get your energy expenditure up. Well, I mean, you know, it's not for everyone. <laughs> no, just... But sometimes you want to just go pay, play syphilis roulette. Just see what happens. Ah. Oh. We editing that out? No. Nope, definitely not. This okay. Your mistake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hang on. So we, you get... we only edit out the stupid things I say. <laughs> All that Greg you have, says. You have to sound smart, though. Yeah. You have to be smart. <laughs> yeah, it's because you know, like, I'm the I'm like the eloquent sounding one. You're the smart one, and then Greg's you know the one with the Greg's dirty smart. laugh. Smart. Yeah, Greg. <laughs> see, look, he's the one with the dirty laugh. <laughs> Greg brings the Viz crowd. I wish I was smarter, eloquent. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Like right before this, Kane literally was like, "Right, Rogan, get your shit together. Just be charming." I was like, "Is that my role in this?" Am I, your am, role. I'm charming Rogan. You're smart, Kane, and then we got Smutty Greg. Smutty Greg. <laughs> so unfortunate for me. <laughs> but once again, great beard. Great beard. Dandruff aside, great beard. Flattery will get you nowhere. <laughs> we both know that's a lie. Gets me everywhere. Carry on. <laughs> Okay, cool. So now that we've talked about eating while traveling, let's talk about optimal gym usage for when you're busy. And for me, a big... When the gym's busy. Well, when you're busy... My poor writing has again... My God, you know what? You deal with the damn questions. You take the book. Okay, so... Oh, tough crowd. But yeah, okay, so optimal use of the gym when the gym is busy. Fundamentally, have a program that requires, you know, minimal equipment for the time that you're going to be there. I'd say you... In a perfect situation, a lot of the time you'll have like supersetted exercise. You'll have like a bench press will go with some kind of pull. Mm. In a busy gym, you can't go running around the gym and like running around to get the equipment that you need. So, first step, split them up. Just do all of your bench press sets and then just do all of your row sets. Just split them up like that. Depending on how hard you want to work, like for the the vast majority of people, they don't really care about being strong. They're just boys I'm talking about here. Yeah. They want to be big and they want to be ripped and they want to be sexy on the beach. That's it. Jack Tan Tan. Drop sets, rest pause. Drop sets and rest pause. You need Absolutely. a bench and a couple of sets of dumbbells. Yeah. That's all you yeah. need. So, like, by generally when we talk about drop sets is achieving an optimal, well, say an optimal, sorry, just a target goal of, say, 15 reps. Drop the weight, lower the weight, mm-hmm. maybe do 12 straight away or as many as you can. Drop the weight again and then do 10. And that's where rest pause is going to come in then because mm. there's going to come times when you, like, there's no the dumbbells that you need out there. Mm. So just pick a weight, do as many reps as you can with it, put the weight down, rest 10 seconds, pick them back up, do as many as you can. Then rest for your full like two minutes and do it again. And like this, this I mean, I know it doesn't sound fancy because a lot of people want to make program design fancy, but it works. Yeah, it works. It yeah. works, and you will be fucked. Just, just don't worry about <laughs> it. Like so, so you can come into this. So say it was an upper body day, you can come in, find a pull up bar, and just do chin ups as many reps as you can. Rest ten seconds, do as many as you can three times. You may get like I don't know twenty total reps in. Great, there's your chins done. Move on to the benches. Just do pick a weight that's heavy enough to fail between six and ten reps do as many as you can rest 10 seconds pick them back up do as many as you can do that three times 
then go to like I don't know bicep curls, go to lateral raises, do the same thing on flies and on tricep extensions. There's your whole upper body routine done. Done, easy and, as hell. And you, and can, you will be, you'll be a bit after that. Oh, you'll yeah. be an, you'll be an absolute shit state. But yeah. equally, then you take that exact same protocol. You just swap out the upper body exercises for lower body exercises, going from most complex to least complex, and yeah. you're going to be in a good situation. And also, like, I don't want to be the guy to say this, but I'm going to. If you are in a busy gym and you were surrounded by people who are not gonna let you work in with them, go to a different goddamn yeah. gym. Like, none of these people are actively trying to seek out success. Yeah. If, if someone does not let you work in their squat rack, their bench, their dumbbells, hey, like, they, they, they are just an asshole and you were in the wrong gym. If, if you pay 15 pound a month for your gym membership, you pay 15 pound for a reason. You get 15 pounds worth of gym for that. Yeah, yeah, that's you know? true. You'll get in there. You'll have people who aren't prepared to work in with your sets. You'll probably get the times that you can train. Everybody's going to be training. You're not going to be able to find a piece of equipment. And that's what you get for £15 a month. If that's not something you're prepared to deal with, get a better gym. Get a better gym. Yeah, I've always said you can you can judge the quality of a gym by the number of squat racks. Yeah. You, you can't... Like, quite, yes, quite you can get good gyms that don't have squat racks, but the more... like, If it's got one squat rack, it's a one-star gym. If it's got yeah. five squat racks, it's a five-star gym. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. And also then you just, you also have to base it on like the, the the quality of the person that's in there because ultimately like it doesn't matter whether I'm training with a complete beginner, training with one of the other PTs or training with one of the people in the gym who is, you know, the strongest person there. We can all share the, the same rack together. Mm. We will load each other's bars, strip each other's plates, motivate each other, spot each other. And regardless of what goals we've mm -hmm. got, we all need that one squat rack, so we're all going to work in together and make it work for each of us. And yeah. that's what a good gym should be about. Ultimately, they don't need to be your best mate, but you can work in on the squat rack together. Like you know, there's douchebag gyms though. Oh, there are. There's a lot of them out there, and it's generally it's not the ones you think it would be either. Like I mean, you, you I mean you've trained there before. Like you talk about somewhere like Peak Physique, which is a good. We'll beep that out. <laughs> Peak Physique's good. I'm not giving it a compliment. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah I thought like, you were gonna bash you, it. You, no, you walk into Peak Physique and it is full of the biggest muscliest ugliest people you will ever see but they are the friendliest guys ever yeah. oh yeah and like i mean you could have a kid walking off the street who's 18 and wants to be big muscly and ugly and they will help them for free if they will help you pick up your dumbbells if they're too heavy and they will share their racks with you that's amazing yeah, yeah. yeah. no it is genuinely no 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 because you're walking off the street like i remember the first time going in and thinking oh my god this place is awful because everyone's got their hood mm -hmm. up Everybody, it's all dudes. No, but yeah. hoods up, no sleeves. Because while it may be warm enough to have no sleeves, it is both cold enough to not have your head exposed. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's because everyone's bald from the steroids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you know what? You want to go to Peak Physique and get Big Jack and Tan. They will help you get Big Jack and Tan. You'll make some great friends along the way. But that's, but that's the thing. Like, working, like, when I first went to Dave's gym, which was probably the first real sort of strength-orientated gym that I ever went to, I walked in there and I was intimidated as hell. Yeah. And within five minutes, Dave of Dave's gym sat me down, asked me what I wanted from this experience. While some units were deadlifting 300 plus kilos. The lightest deadlift there was 300 kilos. Right behind me while I'm having my initial consultation with Dave of Dave's gym. Dave, and the, and Dave. the Dave, Dave with of Dave, Dave of Dave's gym. And it was, it was amazing. And to this day, I still consider Dave's gym to be one of the best gyms I have ever been in. Because I've been there briefly, I love Dave gyms. Yeah, yeah, Dave's yeah. gym is lovely, but there are so many smelly people that you can't pick up a smelly person. No, but that's the thing, that's that's new Dave's gym, because it's like, I remember the golden age where it was literally like the hub of elite level powerlifting. It's still, in there's it, still some serious lifters in there. Oh my God, yeah. Like, 
I remember the first time I squatted 160 was in Dave's gym and I was still the weakest person out of all the people that I was um, of training with. Pounds. No, it was definitely kilos. <laughs> Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Like, I have to accept the fact that I work incredibly hard to be this mediocre. Don't take that away from me. <laughs> I'm already mediocre looking. I don't need to do mediocre lifting. Jesus. Oh, right. I think we've done that to death. What next? Oh, mount, uh, macro counting. Other options. Ooh. Well, I am typically going to say that Shut Why? your face and just count them. Yeah, just get on with it. For the most part, like, I fucking had the like, shit out of me. Oh, I don't have time. It's like, but you've got time to do these a million other stupid yeah. things. And this is a really simple thing for me to assess your progress. When yeah. you get people come in and they're like, I haven't lost any weight. Oh, have you been tracking your calories or your macros? No. How the fuck do I know what's wrong? Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's yeah, just ridiculous. Yeah. Count your shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the thing is, like, my fitness pal has literally made it so Who easy. Who asked that there question? Nah, was... uh, I don't know. You, go, you pick that one I'm out. Punch them later when I see them. Probably an SOS. <laughs> it was an SOS. No, but it, but seriously though, like ultimately, it is not going to be for everyone. I get that. No, 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 I exaggerate slightly, and I get that some people hate the idea of tracking. If so that is you exaggerating only slightly, then this question made you a lot angrier than I thought it was going to. But no, I mean, like my fitness pal at the end of the day has made it incredibly easy. Like I remember when so I so easy. Yeah, like the barcode scanners on it, on there. It's you can literally like have predictions of what you're going to eat. You if you can... the smallest amount of initiative and you can just like pretty much be on the ball with what you eat. Hmm. It, it, it's such an easy win. And then when people are... It's like, accountability I, I for a lot of people. I just can't be bothered yeah. to, to, to scan it. You can't be bothered to get results for what? Yeah, well, that's it. Like, <laughs> but it's accountability for a lot of people yeah. as well. So like, like you'll get people and they'll go, um, oh, I didn't put Saturday in because it was a bad day. So how the fuck do I know what's wrong? I, I don't have yeah. an average calorie like the, for you now. Chances are the problem was Saturday. Yeah. The one day <laughs> yeah. you decided that you knew it was going to be bad is why you did it. It's like, you know, like, I mean, I, I would generally, I, it's one of the few things, water consumption and tracking food are really the two things I don't really barter with with clients. Really? It's like, you just, like, water's free. I do. I don't, <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. Just drink it. Yeah. And uh, for the most yeah. part, I will say, yeah. sorry, count your shit oh, but, but they, no and they're like I don't want to it's like oh well okay but when you come back to me you might lose weight or you might lose muscle or a combination of the two I don't know how to correct there's, things there's, I, I don't know how to correct yes. things and there's ways to do it granted mm. you don't have to track macros to okay so results. actually yeah. is there other options but it's, yeah. it's, the, it's probably the best one and if you think it's hard right now it's not as hard as you think it is yeah. yeah and that's the thing because at the end of the day it's ingraining a new habitual habit like that is literally it you know at the end of the day it. it like there is no excuse my fitness pal is so incredibly easy to use but there are always going to be psychological blocks for anything that is a change to your daily routine or the yeah. way that you perceive your relationship with food so ultimately you know as much as yeah typically speaking we will be you know kind of you know pretty hard in the paint when it comes to you need to be able to track your food because otherwise we've got no data there are ways of working around it so one let's, let's answer the actual question yeah, yeah. rather than just going on an actual like emotional tirade thanks greg <laughs> it's usually me that's the hyper emotional one <laughs> count your shit I, I didn't know that question was going to go that way I was no, happy I, with that yeah that was good <laughs> but anyway <laughs> but anyway so uh, first things first when you actually start creating a level of accountability which at the end of the day is what my fitness pal is all about mm -hmm. um, there are a number of things that we can do so if clients aren't willing to track then typically I'll take them through a three step process in order to try and get them to being comfortable tracking start ingraining that level of accountability so first things first take a picture of what you're going to eat and then send it to me. 
just because when you have that level of accountability of saying like, right, I need to send everything to Rogan or Kane or Greg, um, they are going to have to actually start engaging with the process of, oh, this is probably not the best decision I've ever made. And even Do if I want to hear my coach's response to yeah. this? Generally, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Even if it's, I mean, I've got um, one client I'm doing this with at the moment who's, you know, sent me some pictures of her of, um, of beer and was like, it was going to be three more, but I put those back. Yeah. And like that's this, huge. Like this, that is a huge calorie drop. That's kind of what happens is you, you'll tell your client, okay, I just want you to keep a food diary for a week. You don't have to change what you're eating. Just keep a food diary, and they'll come to you, yeah. and they will have changed. Mm. They will eat less because mm. they know that they are now comfortable. So without even technically making any changes, people will just eat less. Yeah, it's, I think it's, that's that's the that's probably the best way to do it. If you don't want to track calories, write down what you eat right now. Eat less. Yeah. And that's a really easy, and, that, and that's a really easy way to do it for people who aren't willing to engage with what, like, like we would consider to be the gold standard of um, diet accountability, which is my fitness pal. Yeah. Um, after that, typically speaking, I'll take a client into the precision nutrition protocol, yeah, where right. I'll get them used to actually being able to eyeball their food, because if they're following um, John Berardi's protocol uh, protocols, then they're going to be in a pretty good situation. So, for reference, uh, the precision nutrition portion control guidelines basically look at your hand and then you've got the ultimate measuring tool so for protein it is palm size palm size yeah one palm size uh one palm size serving of protein for a woman two palm one size to two for, a man. for a man one, yeah. for a man. Uh, one fist Fistful. size serving of vegetables for a woman and one to two for a man right mm -hmm. uh, a cupped handful of carbs if mm -hmm. it's rice or pasta mm -hmm. what's the deal with bread I can't remember. None. None. You're not allowed it. In Don't fairness, you should be kind of be avoiding like highly processed stuff anyway if you're following the true precision nutrition yeah, But protocol. you see, the thing about like, I, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, let's, wait, okay, let's just finish it. I'm and uh, one thumb size serving of fats if it's uh, like cooking. nuts or whatever uh, or, or avocado and then like a tablespoon or a teaspoon of fat if it's an oil. Yeah, that's generally. Um, for a woman and then one to two of those for a man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's for like, that's for ideal eating scenarios I yeah. think so like I, the reason why I would tend not to use that very often if, if I have a client who's going to be very very adherent yeah, yeah that's great I've, I've, mm. generally people just don't do it. I, I don't find it rigid enough because it's so loose people generally don't do it mm. yeah but the thing is if if someone's come to you and they're not willing to go on straight onto my fitness pal then rather than trying to wrestle with that habitual change you've got to baby them yeah. into it like, I, I know and I, people and they don't do it yeah but that's the thing like i've done it and it i've done it and it works but typically speaking i've done it after doing that you know mm -hmm. track your photos mm -hmm. send them to me every day level of accountability and once we get them to the point where you know they are willing to go that little extra mile and be truly you know accountable to me via those pictures then they're in a place where we can go okay cool start doing the precision nutrition style portion control once you've nailed that, all I want you to do is just track Monday to Friday. Because anyone can do damn near anything for five days if they can just get their shit together. Yeah, but then I like the, the weekend is all the phone calls. That's where most people are going to mess up. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But at the same time, you've got to baby them into it. And, mm. you know, people need to be handheld. Like, like, we spoke about this on the episode that we recorded the other day. Like, ultimately, if you look at the information that's available on the internet, like, you could go and do this yourself, but you don't. Mm-hmm. Because well, there's a lot of things you could do where yourself. Like I could cook, I could cook six meals a day, but I don't. It's can, the convenience of it as well. I can learn yeah. to so, build a house watching yeah, YouTube, no, you but I can't. I'm not going to do it. No, exactly. Well, that's the thing. So people don't have time, so they pay a middleman to do it for them. Yeah, exactly. But that's the thing. If they're not, if they're willing to pay the middleman, but not actually listen to the middleman's advice, then you know, for us to make a living, and also for them to see a level of results that are going to be directly related to how much effort they're going to put in, we need to handhold them the whole way through. This. I think and that's for true. a lot of people, it's 
you know, it's such an emotional thing engaging in the process of change that even though on the surface and, you know, for a very large extent, they may be like really, really committed to this entire process of change. They've got a lot of walls they need to knock down now. And it is a horrible thing. Like, I mean, like I said, I can't empathize with someone who's very big because I've never been that big. But I, th- I, th- I think the problem with a lot of them is they don't act, they can't actually see themselves being thin. And I presume that's a problem with a lot of people is that they like, they all, they all want to get there so badly, but the process is so long that they need someone yeah. to drag them through some of the steps where they tend to stumble. And I think like at, at, at a stage we're all... We're just a. I don't want to undervalue what we do. We're a mate who will listen to them constantly mm. about their dietary problems. I mean, I've said this so many times. Like a coach isn't just someone who writes to your program. It's someone that's going to be in your corner. Mm. Well, like we are, that's why we argued the point as well about people who pay for or why we think we can charge what we charge for PT in comparison to the guy down the street is because it's a service more than anything else it's not an hour training session anymore it can't be yeah you're not paying for time you are paying for you know an individual to literally be of service to you Mm -hmm. when you need them yeah exactly like that's the thing like difference between like within reason I know but like for the most part yeah like I will respond to as long as I'm not asleep at night I will respond Mm -hmm. to my clients no matter what, it's, it's, it's the difference between like like the difference between a trainer and a coach is the difference between a cook and a chef. You know? Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, well played, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you you won the analogy game today. <laughs> God damn it. You're so smart and you're looking and good at analogies. I wanna be you when I grow up. You will be. Eventually. But you know, like Alan said, there's always two kinds of people in the world, alphas and betas. <laughs> Alan was implying that I'm the beta, so thank, <laughs> thanks, Al. Hope to get you on the podcast. Um, you are the rudest man I've ever met. Oh, <laughs> Alan is one of the rudest men I've ever met, but he is just brilliant. No, because he's so unapologetically himself, and I love so people that are like that. Unapologetically ruthless. Oh, I love it though. I love it though. Like he is just so incredibly honest. Like he knows who he is. Like I have met very That's few very people true, who yeah. are as self-aware as Alan is. Mm. Like I have so much time for him. Okay, so I can't read Greg's handwriting, so question number five. Oh, so like when people talk about localized fat loss. Uh, so spot reduction. Oh. Spot reduction. Oh. So like, you know, if you're carrying... You know, I, I suppose, Belly fat. Yeah, yeah, no, normally is, but you'll get like uh, bingo wing training, stuff like that. So when people talk about s- targeting a specific area mm-hmm. for In fat butt. loss. Inner the, butts. Yeah. The inner butt. The inner really targeting the inner butt. And the yeah. underbutt. It's called fucking colonic. <laughs> <laughs> but like... The coffee if, anima. But like some people like... I think we need to put that into two different categories in, though. In so like... Any in, real... M- meaningful way? No. No. No point. It's not a thing. No. It's just like, not a thing. Technically, in a laboratory condition now, under the extreme circumstances, you can. But again, over time, that'll mean nothing. Like you can... Like... Um, localized lipolysis meaning like liberation of fat cells from a specific area of the body can be done through like um, metabolic fatigue in that muscle so say you wanted to liberate liberate fat from the triceps use a lot of um, tricep pushdowns like make it burn like hell and you'll liberate more fat from the tricep the problem is that if you don't use that fat it'll just go right back to where your normal fat patterns hold anyway because fat is mobile at the end of exactly. the day it's a cell that exists within a constantly changing constantly reactive ecosystem that it's, is your body it's effectively what happens to women what will happen with women a lot of the time is that they'll train hard their upper bodies will get leaner because they're liberating fat from their whole bodies but they're redepositing it back in their lower bodies so they'll actually either stay the same or potentially gain fat in their lower bodies by losing fat overall Mm-hmm. But training to lose fat overall, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's just something you've got to account for. But that is effectively spot reduction. Just it naturally happens because of women's holding patterns. But you can localize fat loss from a specific area. But if you don't burn that off anyway, then it's just going to go back to where it was. And even if you do burn it off, as soon as you liberate fat from somewhere else, it's going to go back into your normal holding patterns anyway. So For it's like, so not really that relevant. This why, yeah, I was speaking like when you're speaking in categories, like maybe if. If me, if if the three of us had a client who was training for comp to stand on stage, and they had a particular, because well, in fairness, Lionel McDonald goes quite into the stubborn fat idea, but that's a little bit different. Um, but like a particular area they're really struggling, I might try it as part of my C's, mm. as part of my end of my program. Yeah. I might target a specific area, just like well, let's try it and yeah. see if it works. Like, and you can judge by measurements if it does, and apparently it does. I've never actually tried it myself. If you had a guy who was like, oh, I want to get those striations in my glutes. Okay, great. Just do a shitload of hip thrust until mm. your glutes burn. Like, fuck. And, then, and then, then jump on a bike for fucking a skier, minute and kill yourself. Skier, just so you like, yeah, upper body uh, devil conditioning. conditioning. Mm. And devil then just, yeah. But for uh, I for general population it's not it's, it's not, not it's not gem pop don't bother I suppose it's the best way to put it for gem pop just don't bother and also yeah. especially when you're talking about the um, upper to lower body redistribution of um, mobilized fat cells like especially within women who cares Instagram's made big asses cool again yeah it's true big, like, asses, big asses are cool big, big asses are cool like we like big butts and we cannot lie like sure, it is Ben uh, Edwards <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that is staying in. Amazing. But it's true. Like, at the end of the day, like, you know, strong and healthy is sexy. Like, that's it. Strong is the new skinny, though, for girls. It genuinely mm -hmm. is. It's getting there. And, the, you know, the fact that, like, like Brooke Entz was in either Vogue or Cosmo, one of the big ladies' publications. Like, the fact that, you know, a jacked woman is on the front cover. Like, that is huge. The fact that Annie Thor's daughter won the CrossFit Games and was in Vogue mm -hmm. is amazing. Like, that is a huge step. And also just the general trend of the fitness community in terms of what, you know, the trainers look like, what our clients are coming and saying they want to look like. Yeah, it's mad. Yeah, like I said, I have one client coming in, she's like, I, just, I want a bigger ass. Yeah. I want a bigger you ass. Get, yeah, like, Anne-Marie coming in, Anne-Marie comes in and she's like, I don't care about fat loss, I want bigger legs. It's like, that's amazing. Yeah. But here a woman come in who comes in who's just like, I want to gain muscle in my lower body because that's the way I want to look. Yeah. It's like, mm. that's fine. That's where you want to look, that's fine. I had one of the um, I had one of the uni students I coach asked me like I was asking her like you know what, what's what's your goal for training she was like, I just want to be thicker than a snicker and I was like that is amazing <laughs> that is just but that's the dream like the culture is changing and it's changing yeah. massively but you know at the end of the day it's going to be a generational thing yeah. like fundamentally you're going to have these it's the pendulum swing of skin though because now yeah. you're saying like strong is the new skinny it almost means that you're not allowed to be skinny now it's like no it's just like whatever you want to do no, I don't give a fuck anybody can do whatever they want to do like, yeah, you, but look, I just you look think, the way that you want to I just think it is setting a new standard for women and whether it's a good thing yeah. or a bad thing it's saying it is we okay, will see it is okay to look yeah, like, it's yeah. okay to want what it's you cool want it's cool now it's cool now and like in fairness like I <laughs> You know what I'm talking about when people come, when girls come in and they're like, I don't, I don't did we actually get asked that question about uh, bulking women? Yes. Uh, did we get asked that question? Like, go, That's oh, coming next. Then, no, no, no. no, we didn't get asked it there, but we get asked all the time. But I you? get asked like, oh, will I get bulky? And sometimes I want to smack a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When they're like, no, I'm getting too muscly here. It's yeah. like, no, you're no, fucking not. It, yeah, it's it's perception in relation. Can you just stop crackling? <laughs> what is wrong with you, Greg? rappers. <laughs> yeah, that crackling is Greg's hungover snacks <laughs> but yeah and that's the thing like ultimately like I produce more testosterone like substantially more testosterone than the average woman and I have been trying maybe but I have been trying to be too big and too jacked for years and let me yeah. tell you it hasn't happened no, like winning the, yeah exactly like I'm currently winning the award for most mediocre rig in, in the fitness industry <laughs> and like 
And I... Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, you're Good old belly pat. <laughs> yeah. You're not mediocre yet, though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. But that's the thing, you know, at the end of the day, like, it, it's that social expectation that is then biasing what you see in the mirror. It's the whole thing of like, oh, you can see a little bit of definition in your doubts. Ooh, I'm getting too big. I'm getting so, too big and too muscly. Well, that's what yeah. usually happens with women is they start to build a little bit of muscle, but they still got the fat on top of it. And that fat on top of the muscle looks blocky. But as soon as the fat goes, you'll end up with a better shape and a better body. Oh, like yeah. your arms will get smaller. Yeah. Your arms are not yeah. going to get bigger. Your arms are going to get smaller. Yeah. That is a guarantee. Well, well yeah. as, as long as you lose fat, yeah. But, but for, for a time, you may feel like you've built muscle because the, you've the got that time, new muscle. The only and time you realistically see women put on a significant amount of muscle will be in either they're chemically assisted yeah. or PCO, PCOS can have quite a strong... Because yeah. women with PCOS, PCOS, which is polycystic ovary syndrome, can have... Testosterone. They can have elevated testosterone, but they're a lot more sensitive to testosterone yes. also. So you can have some women with PCOS who can get significantly more muscly than the average woman. But again, it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, so you will not wake up with fucking traps. It just doesn't happen. No. So like you might like God even, willing, I've been trying so hard. Yeah, <laughs> so don't don't stress, girls. Yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing. You know, it's not an overnight process. And yeah, you will see, you know, especially if you're a new trainee, like, you will see some, like, quite dramatic um, perceivable changes mm. very, very quickly. But ultimately, they're dramatic because it's new. It's shiny new object syndrome. It's that new bit of definition that you haven't seen before, which you're either going to take, depending on, you know, uh, in terms of where your mindset is in regards to your physical changes, either really positively or really negatively. And if you're taking it negatively, then... Why is that? Is that because you actively think this is a bad thing or because you're worried that, you know, you're not going to look like the girl in Cosmo? <laughs> you know. Who's now Brooke Ends? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love Brooke Ends. Like, I don't know what it is. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. I do. But the thing is, like, she's so jacked. Yeah. She's so jacked. And that's not usually my flavour, but, like, she is that is a, your flavor. No, but like every, she is totally Every jacked. girl you ever like, oh, look at, look at this girl I found on Instagram. Every time, completely jacked. Yeah, but she's like super jacked. Mm -hmm. I she like is. a jacked girl. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And right, so last question. Reverse dieting. What do we think about it? And does it actually exist? And how can you fix a broken metabolism? First things first, metabolism is not broken because that's implying that it doesn't work. Oh, that's great, Rogo. Where'd you get that from? Uh, I stole it shamelessly from you about five <laughs> no, minutes no, ago. No, that was ten minutes before we started. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. why we have Kane, because he's the smart one. He says the smart things. Yeah, but smart. Yeah, that's basically what I was saying. Is it, when you say, oh, how do I fix a broken metabolism? It suggests that it's broken. But if your metabolism has slowed down in response to a calorie deficit, it's working perfectly well. That's what it's meant to do. It's yeah. not broken. Because at the end of the day, like that's a survival mechanism. Oh, Food is scarce. Better downregulate, mm -hmm. so I'm not starving all the damn time. Well, people, well, people don't like forget to acknowledge in that situation as well. Is it, like you you go on a calorie deficit, you lose fat, fat loss stops, and you're like, why am I why am I stop losing fat? It's because it's worked. You stop mm -hmm. losing fat because your diet has worked. You're now smaller and you don't need as much calories. Yeah, it's the same thing when you get an overweight person who tends to say, you know, 
oh, but my, my, my metabolism is slowed down because of, like, whether it be the yo-yo or whatever it may be. And don't get me wrong, there is some aspects there. But generally speaking, bigger people have higher basal metabolic rates. Yeah. That's a fact. That, that whole idea that you have a crappy metabolism if you are 40% body fat is a lie. Yeah. Is a lie. Because like you, 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 you can't yeah. function then. You would literally not be able to get out of bed. Yeah. So, like, basically at that BMR, if you still come below BMR, you are still getting carried out and you will still lose weight. So don't yeah. fall under the illusion that you have a broken metabolism and that's why you are overweight. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. There is hormonal issues that will affect this balance. So generally thyroid in women tends yeah. to be a problem or we can get into the, get a little bit deeper into that cortisol issue again. But if, it's if, still energy balance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. If, so, so when people will say, you know, oh, I'm, I'm not losing fat, like I'm, I'm eating calorie deficit but I'm not losing fat. Unless you're getting incredibly lean and you have to take account of all those small considerations, chances are you're just wrong about how much you're eating. Yeah, like I mean, or, like I mean, and I don't mean this in a bad way, or you're lying. Yeah. Like I mean, you're I lying think, to yourself. I, yeah, you're lying to either your coach or yourself because there's something else going on. I find it very hard to say that to clients sometimes. Yeah. When they say, I'm definitely calorie deficit, it's like, you're telling me you're in a 500 calorie deficit every day yeah. every day you're not losing weight no sorry so the other, so the other thing you go to then is uh, is neat which is where most of the uh, reductions in energy output will come from so when you have when you eat fewer calories than you need in the day your body will go okay we haven't got as much energy available as we need like let's down regulate other things so you will stop fidgeting so much you will feel more lethargic and you'll sit down at the end of the day rather than maybe get up and clean the house or whatever you mm. just feel you won't be bothered to do things and you'll um walk around less you'll stand up less and through those changes your body will reduce how much energy you output and therefore lower the calorie deficit that you've created so the appropriate response to that would be go for a walk at the end of the day like mm. increase your need again your uh, sorry non-exercise activity thermogenesis that's the movement uh, that's the uh, energy that you burn doing things that aren't exercise so things like going for a walk or standing you know so so most of the reductions in metabolism will come from that and they're not actually anything to do with the internal processes of your body mm -hmm. yeah and that's the thing like at the end of the day let's be blunt about it unless you're you know going on a ruck and actually like hiking mm -hmm. walking is not exercise you know what i mean like yeah, it's yeah, a, it, it's getting from a to b whilst burning some calories like mm. at the end of the day as you said it's a very very easy and also like psychologically palatable way to upregulate someone's metabolic function because if you do more your body is going to require you to eat more like i mean um going back to john barardi again i swear this isn't a plug for him um he wrote a really good article on t nation a sentence i've not said in years um for <laughs> nailed it um about g-flux about how yeah, the fact that your body yeah about how you essentially if you require if you're required from your activity level to burn more calories your body's going to put you in a situation where you're going to need to take in more calories and it will signal that to yeah, you this is why this is the whole, the whole reverse dieting thing it's like all at least diet breaks where you bring your body out of that calorie deficit to upregulate those pathways again so you you if you have been eating in say 500 calorie deficit for weeks your body will respond by lowering that non-exercise activity thermogenesis at which point you're not creating the energy and the only option you've got is to move around more or eat less where then you may be eating an unreasonably unreasonably few calories you may not be able to stick to it and then you'll cheat in your diet and completely disrupt your progress so the option the other option you've got then would be to have a diet break two weeks just go back to your hypothetical maintenance calories so don't go back to what you were eating before because what you're eating before is now going to be a calorie surplus if your diet's worked um, come back to your hypothetical maintenance calories for two weeks, have a little break, and then go back into a, sh into a small deficit 
uh, and then progress again as you were before. There's yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like it, It's essentially just progressive overload and then having a deload. Like it's just going back to normal. And, you know, that's that's a, essentially a very base training protocol where you're going to try and, you know, expect a little bit more of your body day in, day out, week in, week out. But then there's going to come a point where, you know, when rubber hits the road, mm-hmm. you need to scale that's, back. The, to, if you are have been in a cardio for a long time, your best bet will be to have a diet break, have a break from what you're doing, not reverse dieting. Because reverse dieting at the end of the day will be keeping you in that deficit for a prolonged period of time. This is something I got from Long Donald and, and I think Mino Hanselman has said the same thing where, okay, so if you, you slowly add in 100 calories every few days or a week until you're back up to that maintenance, you've just carried that calorie deficit on for another five weeks where you could have just come out up to the hypothetical maintenance straight away, not gained fat because it's maintenance, reset all those systems and then go back into the diet two weeks later. You've now got to like shorten that process by five to seven weeks yeah and that's the thing and, and before before people think that we are bashing the reverse dieting idea i mean ultimately everything everything works when applied properly and that's the thing like it's a tool mm-hmm. so for example i mean we talked about this briefly but when i um basically just shat the bed on my metabolism and dropped down to 76 kilos because of some external lifestyle factors um crack yeah crack uh, <laughs> <laughs> <but> external yeah, <laughs> factors <laughs> Yeah, okay, fine. Basically, heartbreak diet, drop down to 76 kilos. Oh, I know. No, but, no, but this is real. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. This is real. Okay, drop down to 76 kilos. I couldn't stomach eating. I used the reverse dieting protocol to psychologically give me goals to hit because I knew that if I tried to go back to what was my maintenance, that was a quantity of food that I was just not going to be able to, like, take in. What you will get with some people as well with the whole reverse dieting thing is because you're coming back up to maintenance calories, you will be eating more carbohydrates and therefore you will store glycogen, you will store water, and you will feel puffy and you may feel like you've gained fat. Mm -hmm. So you'll freak out and go, ah, fuck, 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 and then you'll completely, like, shit the bed on it. So in that sense, reverse dieting can have its benefits in psychological factors, Mm. but... In a physiological sense, there's no benefit over reverse dieting uh, beyond what you'd get from uh, diet break. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like ultimately, like I've said it once and I'll just say it again. Everything does work so long as it's applied properly and if done with good intention. Like, you know, at the end of the day, how many how many people have you seen get fantastic results on shit programs out there like yeah, cookie yeah. cutter programs and yeah. it's the same thing with nutrition like fundamentally you've just got to understand that everyone is different it's going to require you know a slightly different approach via more or less the same means because mm-hmm. whether we're you know doing reverse dieting carb backloading front loading fucking whatever it's all going to be a tool that is appropriate for that individual and that's where you know our job as coaches come in because you know, we want you guys to get the ultimate success from this entire process, but that's only going to be, you know, mitigated by how much you're willing to put in and what your base level start point is. Because, you know, you may want to lose 20 pounds and that's great, but your health is by far the most important thing to us. And that's the thing, we've got a duty of care to you, mm-hmm. which is important. And that's the thing about PT and a lot of people don't take into consideration. There is, is time to are... ignore that duty of care though. You have to consider it. Like you have a woman comes in, she's like, I'm getting married in 12 weeks. Yeah. And I want to look good, man. And then you'll say, well, there's got to be some metabolic issues coming out of this diet. And they go, I don't give a fuck. You'll do it. Mm. 
You will. Yeah. Uh, so like, I mean, sometimes there is a sometimes we ignore it, but for the most part, I don't think it's ignoring the duty of care. It's it's making sure that the client's aware of the risks when the, they go yeah, into it. Yeah, but also, you know? but also, it's I still think making it's, sure that it's their decision then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I think it's also the fact that like we they're coming to us because we can make sure that when they go into this calorie deficit or when they go into this you know batshit crazy insane I'm getting ready for my wedding twelve week block like best clients ever. Yeah, like, the oh most, my like God, engaged women are the single most compliant client that is out there. Mm-hmm. But they come, they've come to you because you can make sure that if they went and did this with someone else, it would be really unsafe. You yeah, can actually yeah, yeah. mitigate any risks that are associated with this. And then also, right, wedding's done. Go enjoy your honeymoon. This is your plan. Go. Mm-hmm. And then when they, and they will come back to you and go, right, let's get back to regular. And you can then guide them back into that aftercare process, which is you know where typically reverse dieting does you know work. Because you've got yeah, well, there you go. Ah, yeah, because well, full circle. There you go. Does work with some people. Yeah, yeah. I think t- fundamentally, what we've taken the most away from this is that I wish that we just worked with engaged women because is the I mean the most compliant people on the planet. It's unreal. They will chew coal if you ask. <laughs> oh yeah, chew nails, spit bullets. <laughs> <laughs> They'll do whatever you want. <laughs> it's unreal. Oh, so yeah. I mean, I'm, I think that's pretty much all the questions yeah. that we summarize had. it. But like I said, yeah, well, yeah. Okay, quick summary. Have you got that? Yeah, so, I've got them. Hang on. Uh, why did I put the book over here? Yeah, okay, so quick sum- quick summary then. So optimal ingestion time for uh, protein. Perfect mm. would be maybe four servings of protein a day, four hours apart. But if you can't do that, just do what you can. Eat when you travel. Carry away protein. Yeah, have, have readily available sources of protein mm-hmm. and snacks are going to help keep your uh, calories and protein in control. And where possible, if you've got somewhere to stay, make sure it's an Airbnb mm-hmm. because having access to your own cooking equipment is going to be the best thing for you. And you can always get um, lean chicken from a gas station. Yes. And that sounds gross. Yeah, <laughs> it does. But and check your menus before you go to the restaurant, guys. Um, tips for optimal gym usage when it's busy. Rest pause, drop sets. Just do straight, like stay on one exercise until you're finished. And Don't try it. and superset. Ask if you can work in with people. If they won't let you work in with them, they are assholes and you require a better gym. Macro counting, other options. Get over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or use palm sizes or Can't fist sizes. Or take that fist and put it in your own mouth. You idiot. Just count your macros. <laughs> Thing is, though, this is one of my clients that answered this, asked this question. So, like, you're just offending people left, right, and centre. I know. I know. Great. I know <laughs> that, okay, good. So, as long as you do know who asked the question, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, we love, we love her. Yeah. Best for localized fat loss. Don't worry. Uh, about yeah, it's not a thing. With any any meaningful effect, you'll never see. Exactly. Mm. Like, ultimately, the body is a swimming pool. You can't just take water out of the shallow end or out of the deep end. It has got to come out of the whole pool. Mm, very good. And finally, uh, reverse dieting. Uh, mm-hmm. depends I mean ultimately it's going to be applicable to certain individuals uh, depending on the psychological state of you know can, can man have a benefit or anyone else. psychologically yeah but physiologically you're probably better off having a diet break yeah and by the way when we mean a diet break just to clarify we do mean going back to maintenance not going into a surplus yeah. because your body ultimately has adapted yeah. to being don't, in that metabolic don't go um, back deficit. to what you were doing before go back to your new maintenance yeah exactly so those are the brief summaries. And once again, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Talking Fit. Uh, my name is Rogan Allport. You can find me on all the things by looking in the description of this podcast. And if you want to like, share, and leave us a five-star review, that would be much appreciated. And as always, leave us um, 
comments, critiques, whatever, because we want to make sure that we're continuing to give you guys the best in fitness, education, and entertainment that we possibly can. So like the Talking Fit Facebook page, like the Instagrams, all of our things, Facebook, social media, all that jazz is going to be in the description page. So please support us, support the podcast, support our businesses, and we will keep bringing you the best that we can. Awkward silence. Yeah, that's about it. We got nothing. <laughs> you were looking at me like, I'm... Is, it, is this when I say Q&A? Oh, no. <laughs> yes. These Q&As will be a regular thing. So please, guys, keep sending us on anything that comes to mind. And I will not purposely try to abuse you for asking questions. I will not. It's just... It's only if he knows you and actually likes you, then Greg is going to... We spoke about that yesterday. Like, yeah, like if you... If I don't slag you, then you know you've got a problem. <laughs> yeah, random bystanders on social media. Random bystanders on the street. I'll so, as always... My name is Rogan Allport. I'm Kane Owen. And I'm Greg Foley. And this has been the newest episode of Talking Fit. See you next week.